0: Mm. <laughs> welcome to untangling christianity on the show john and greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies unsnarl confused ideas consider love and truth in christianity i'm john polstra and i'm greg monteith today we're picking up where we left off in from episode 92 which was about Ways of experiencing God, how people experience God, and in particular, I think interpreting our experiences. I don't know if that was experiences specific, like experiences generically or experiences of God, but Greg and I kind of talked after that episode, and at first he was kind of feeling like he hadn't done the level of due diligence that he likes to uh, apply to topics like this so we wanted to kind of do a follow-up greg i think you wanted to kind of clarify a thing or two and or maybe just continue to continue the discussion in the hopes that it might tighten up any set sections that were a little looser than you would have liked in 92 right
1: yeah I th- all right
0: <clears throat> now
1: i have to apologize for my my cold slash caught i'm gonna to try to make sure i mute every time i've got to clear my throat
0: yeah i got one too so uh <laughs> yeah we're both not doing it as well as we want maybe to. we should start a smooth jazz radio station <laughs> or something like that yeah. you're doing even better than i am that way.
1: <laughs> well we talked a little bit about this idea of experience and kind of evaluating people's experience or you know reflecting on it Okay, so no, it, we had uh, discussed uh, on uh, episode seventy-seven, and I had raised the, uh, uh, made a comment, um, from our our eagle, um, podcast, which I think was number seventy-one. The eagle's back. The eagle is back. Yeah, the eagle's kind of circling still. <laughs> <laughs> so episode seventy-one, he's we still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So episode 71 and the whole eagle piece, just as a refresher, was this idea that, you know, is it legitimate to say, let's say you're on a hike, you're in the Alps, you're whatever, feeling it's a good day and maybe you're feeling inspired and you see an eagle and you say, you know, God put the eagle in the sky for me. And that was kind of the where the comment, this notion of the eagle originated. And Greg pretty much about.
0: categorically says... That eagle ain't from God. <laughs> Anna seems to be, I think, is saying, well, why not? And I think I'm more in the why not category as well. But continue. Okay, well, I don't know if I'm categorically, like, I, I know oh, I heard it's a Oh, emph- I heard a pretty emphatic, come on, that's not God. Well, I'm kind of doubtful. I'm pretty doubtful. I'm pretty skeptical
1: about that idea.
0: So you're right? like 99% skeptical, 1% maybe.
1: No, I wouldn't say it's that much. I would just say, you're going to have a hard time convincing me. Like, it's just a, it's a complete faith claim. You know, you're just making a faith claim here and somebody could claim something else and, and, and who's to adjudicate between those, you know, how are you going to do that? And what's it mean? Like, what's the significance if this is quote unquote from God? What's the value in that? Well, the value is I feel good today, maybe, and that, that that this is just reinforcing that this is a good day, and maybe it's also reinforcing that the things that I'm thinking that are accompanying my good feelings are legitimate. Well, then that gets a little bit questionable. You know, that's a way, basically, of, you know, the eagle is kind of legitimating your thinking, and you're thinking maybe right or maybe not right, you know, and I'd want to evaluate that thinking on the basis of, you know, using other uh, faculties and and tool sets as opposed to saying, you know, I I had something happen that I am kind of linking in to um, the moment when I was thinking these things and that
0: that therefore legitimates them. Well, I just think this topic is so murky though. So like in our last discussion, you know, I was mentioning a situation where this person described, you know, a profound experience that they were kind of having a, period of questioning and they did some intense study for two or three weeks and kind of came out the other side, like very convinced that God was real. Mm-hmm. And your critique of that, as if I recall it correctly, was that's ah, not enough time. Or I think maybe as we talked about it afterwards, you're like, well, that's not enough time for me. Maybe it's enough time for them. But I guess what continues to make me uncomfortable about this topic is where do you draw the line between what's enough for someone else is enough for someone else and even though it's not enough for you, it's still they still had a valid experience or a true experience or... I don't know, it just seems murky that the deeper you go into like, well, you know, yeah, the eagle, you saw the eagle and nah, the, the eagle wasn't God and they're like, well, I think it was and I don't know, I just feel like we... This eagle is definitely still circling. I'm not sure how he's going to land. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I think he's doing well in the sky. He's probably just going to stay up there. He's certainly got us talking. Well, on the three-week thing, I definitely was saying, yeah, that's not enough for me. There's no way.
0: But the clarification is for you, yeah, not definitely. for them.
1: No, right, right. Okay, and so, I heard
0: it as, well, that's not enough for them either. Well, that would depend,
1: right? That's the next piece, which is, well, what are you getting out of this? So I took three weeks on a certain question or a certain topic and, and I ended up feeling a lot more comfortable with the coherence of scripture in this, this kind of, on this question or in, in these, these passages or sections that I investigated. Well, okay, cool. You know, and maybe I, Greg, couldn't have achieved that. Whereas you, this other person could have because of your skill or your, you know, just how it went for you on those during that time. That's fine. You know, I, I guess I would want to say, on the whole question of, of of evaluating other people's experiences, I guess it's it's really comes down to what are you doing with this? What does this experience amount to? So that, uh, and and I think we need to look at experience here. We're, we're now we're wandering into this whole topic of experience a little more specifically, but okay. So so let, let's let's break this down. Uh, two two points. One is you know, what do other people have to say about my experience? Well, what's the, how well are they able to adjudicate something that they didn't experience that I might explain to them? And the second is, what is the nature of experience in a more general sense? So let's tackle the first, and I'm going to try to leave the second alone and just kind of roughly touch on it. Okay. If we can go that way? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess the first point is is sort of, um, if someone explains something to me, and gives me a description of uh, states of affairs or you know occurrences, then generally, depending on how you know much detail I'm given and how you know descriptive and such the account is, uh, I think I'm able to kind of a understand and if I can understand well enough, and, and then they're drawing conclusions out of this, right? So on the one hand, they're observing things. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And on the other hand, they're concluding. And out of that, I see this, I see this, I see this. So with the eagle, no one's disputing there's an eagle in the sky. Right? So far, so good. (laughs) Okay. What we're disputing is the conclusion. There's an eagle in the sky and God put it there. And so I'm on a hike with this person and this person makes a statement and I turn to this person and I say, well, you know, I'm good with you on the eagle. Yeah, that's a huge eagle. It looks, it's beautiful up there and it's a great day. What gives you the sense that God put it there? Like, what do you, what do you mean by that in the first place? And 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 if if they if they mean in some sort of general sense, well, the, the eagle is part of, as a Christian, if they're saying the eagle is part of God's created order, and and it's a, it's a fantastic moment, and I'm seeing the eagle, and in, in that sense, God put it there, which is a very kind of passive notion of of God acting. Then I would say, well, I wouldn't say it that way, but I guess I see what you mean. If they mean literally God, you know, put it in this eagle's head to take flight because God knew that I was walking below it and that I needed to see that eagle, then I would want that person to give me a a lot more information. Well, can you,
0: I'm not really sure why I should believe you. What makes you think that? Because God's God. He can do anything he wants to do. Yeah, Yeah, but the Bible's not telling us that. It's not telling us that at all. God
1: is acting in some very specific ways and God is limiting God's self according to some of the things that God is committed to and committed against. It's not just this random whatever. If you're looking for random whatever, then we should all be committed to the Greek pantheon. We should be wary of Zeus. We should maybe like try to cozy in with some other gods and and things would go better for us because that's the kind of orientation that what you've
0: just put out there and you made me more than that, right? maybe i'm just I'm I just mean a little sarcastic, but th- that's kind of sometimes I feel like the vibe of you know evangelical Christianity is you know God is awesome, and he can he does amazing things, and I mean, yeah, if he wants an eagle to show up in that mountain on that trail, presto there's the eagle. <laughs> You know, sometimes, just as an aside, I love some of
1: your descriptions and how you say that. (laughs) You take me, like, right – it's like you're watching a bunch of people talking together and you're doing the commentary, and I would just be killing myself.
0: (laughs) I'd probably get myself into trouble, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not with me. Okay, but that sounds like superstition to me. Right? We've got – the biblical text is not just a compilation, a jumble of stories – it's not an incoherent, redacted work, you know, in various places, like many people thought of Genesis as this, in this way, and, and other books. And, and, and subsequently, with more scholarship and more research, we've seen, no, 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 there's a, there's a tremendous amount of cohesion, flow, and intelligence. There's, there's uh, tremendous creativity and, 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 and thoughtfulness that's been put into the composition, and then overall, when you look at these things, when you look at these various books through these various, um, um, you know, over the passage of time and then through the kind of the, the, the First Testament or Old Testament canon and then the New Testament, um, we see this sort of continuity and we see this story, right? Um, and so... I guess this is the idea that I'm pushing back against because if God can do anything at any point for anyone, for any reason, then we can expect anything. So if somebody says to me, you know, God wants me to divorce my wife or um, God wants me to have, uh, I don't know, two, 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 steal money from um, my company because they're um, supporting uh, abortion clinics uh, or something like this. Then all of a sudden this is plausible, right? We may scratch our heads and say, <clears throat> doesn't seem quite right to me, but it's plausible. And I would want to say, no, it's not plausible. These are not ideas that are supported by the picture of who God is and the descriptions of, of how Christians are to act. They're just not. And so if someone's bringing out the eagle in the second way, which is this really specific God prompted that eagle to take flight, fly over my head, and maybe even prompted me to look up at that time and see the eagle, um, my thought would be completely agnostic. You know, Maybe, but, not, maybe, maybe not quite completely agnostic.
0: It would be at least agnostic. But I could also hear someone saying, yeah, but you know, I mean, the children of Israel, you know, they didn't have any food, and God, you know, sent manna from heaven, and I mean, what's the difference between manna and an eagle?
1: Well, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I mean, <clears throat> here we are, we're in a situation where God has um, made this promise to Abraham entered into a covenant with Abraham, renewed that covenant through, you know, uh, discussions with uh, Jacob and with Isaac and with Jacob. And then we have this, this long period of, of kind of, uh, um, time in Egypt. And then God essentially performs this enormous work, um, as Moses and Aaron to some extent uh work with collaborate with uh collaborate on this project work with God on this project, and brings the people of Israel out of egypt and uh that movement <clears throat> is fraught with so many problems right they have tons and tons of problems um, the Israelite people just you you know, kind of on the one hand going, going with it, accepting it and, and, and then, and then bulking and then kind of uh, just really being so enmeshed in some of their ways of, of seeing the world and understanding the world that they, you know, they create this, this, this idol when Moses is absent over a prolonged period on the mountain with God, you know, and, and in a certain sense, God is, God is actually at the early stages of performing uh, this enormous or fulfilling this enormous promise through to Abraham.
0: Okay, so I'm I probably send us off topic with that. So you're just saying that the manna example doesn't fit because there's there's a much bigger overarching story. And when it comes to the eagle, is there really an overarching story with the eagle at the same level? Yeah, but I would also
1: say yes, yes, I would agree totally. And I would say there's, an, there's a much larger story with you and me today. There's a much larger story in terms of what we're being called to commit to, which is called to uh, committed attachment relationship with God, a, relation, a love relationship based on truth, and that there is um, a call to work collaboratively with God towards the, the bringing about of God's kingdom here and now. In this world and and that those are difficult yardsticks to use to measure various occurrences right so if something happens and you can't sort of automatically say well does it contribute to God's kingdom and is this moving us in the direction of committed relationship and uh, <laughs> committed love relationship based on truth with God well hmm I don't know sometimes it's sometimes it's easy to see right you know, uh, no, d- divorcing your spouse isn't going to move you in that direction. You know, and sometimes we're in a, we're, you know, I use this example a lot and I would just say, sometimes you're in this situation. It, it, yeah, there's this uh, kind of uh, overarching story that, that applies to us now, right? And so when you're seeing the eagle, not only is it about, you know, the idea that God can do anything and all of a sudden anything is plausible, which I don't think it is. And it strips us out of that story. It, in fact, strips God out of that story. makes God into some sort of ethereal sort of ultimacy. You know, this this Greek sort of all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing, as opposed to this being who has acted in time, who is revealed through these uh, situations that took place in time, captured in story and account, passed on. And that there's a trajectory through these stories and through these accounts that that reveals a certain character and not another character that reveals certain actions and not other actions. Right? And I think we get so caught up in what God can do and what God can't do. And I think part of that is because we want things. I want to feel better today. Things haven't been working out for me. I'm going on a hike. It's my day off here at Le brie And, you know, I'm really not certain if I should stay here. And I'm really not certain if all the things that I've been taught, which are being questioned in this place, um, how much value they still have or how much value this place has. And I really don't know which way to go. And I need a sign. Well, pardon me, but come on. That ain't the way it works. And if we have that notion, if we're constantly looking for signs and looking for indications... I think we've got a superstitious version or view of the Christian
0: God, and that view needs to be changed. It needs to be replaced with a more accurate one. So go back to interpreting. I mean, where we kind of started was the idea of interpreting our experience, and I think we've done other episodes on that, but I can't quite remember where we ended up or concluded on them, and maybe we didn't completely. Go back, so... What, so what's, what's your prescription then for a better way of interpreting our experiences? Well, and, well, I guess it's mm-hmm. a two, it's a two, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, It's good. two questions, though, really. Well, maybe there's, yeah, maybe this is two separate topics that are too big to do today. But it seemed that there's interpreting our own experience. But I think where the eagle keeps circling is this idea of interpreting other people's experiences. And that's where I get that's, uncomfortable. Okay, good, good. Is there, well, is that a, do you see that as a big distinction? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you're,
1: you're, you're, you're dead on. And I think that's, that's fair. Very fair. Here's what I would say to that. I've definitely spent a lot of time <clears throat> uh, going to counseling. When I am in counseling, particularly early on, and I was in, in counseling for, uh, you know, I, I don't even know what was going on in my life at the time. But as I came so I continued to come to counseling, and I was a, you know, a young person, young guy in my early 20s. I was maybe 20 years old, 21. I'm in counseling dealing with familial abuse. And one of the things that would take place on a very regular basis is I would say, my counselor would say, you know, I, well, why are you here? I remember I first walked in. She asked me why I was there. I could not tell her why I was there, but I knew I needed to be there. And as we continued over the course of weeks, months, and eventually years, Um, invariably, I would present situations and explain that I was, I don't know, confused by them or angry because of them or upset for some reason. And I would offer an interpretation or a conclusion about these things. She very rarely, I don't recall she ever said a couple of times, she might've asked me, are you sure you saw that? You got all the details right. Are you sure your observations are okay? But most times, what she would say is, I really wonder about the conclusions you've drawn. Right? Hmm. So, in other words, she is skilled at looking at these situations, and she happened to be specifically an abuse counselor. So, she has some specific training and understanding relative to what happens in abuse. She's not typically questioning my observations or how well I'm observing, but she would question how I've interpreted my observations and what I've concluded from them. And this is exactly the same sort of thing that I am proposing. Now, I guess I would say that on the one hand, if I take the analogy, if I continue with the analogy, this person's trained, she's an expert in this area. And she's not telling me, no, you're wrong. She's not telling me, no, this didn't, you know, this is a bad way to see it. She's saying, I'm not really sure why you're drawing that conclusion. Let's dig into that. I'm not sure really why you're putting these toge- things together with that type of an interpretation. Let's explore that. And we would spend a session or two exploring some of these things, you know, whatever they were. And this is exactly the type of model that I'm proposing, not in the sense that I'm, you know, if, if it's me, let's say, <clears throat> And uh, talking with the person about the the eagle, not that I'm a counselor, but, you know, I think to the degree that we ourselves have examined ourselves, that we have, you know, I've talked about this before in in a number of blog posts, we've become good readers of ourselves. We understand not only who we are and how we think, but we've taken the time to assess our own stories, the the way that we have, um, kind of, if you like, the... The, the, the history writing that we, have, we do about ourselves. So when I tell you who I am, I've spent a lot of time going through that. I mean, even by virtue of the fact that I've spent a lot of time in counseling, right? And I've also had the benefit of having somebody else walk alongside me as I explain who I am and I explain situations that are very important and informative in my life and say to me, you know, variously, I see what you're saying or not too sure about that or hmm, sounds kind of sketchy actually, Greg. And having to go through this process. It doesn't make me necessarily an expert, but it does mean that I have put in some time and I've worked pretty hard over a lot of years to assess these types of things. So when I'm in a situation where I'm on a hike and somebody says to me, oh, that eagle up there, you know, God put that in the sky there for me. Um, I've got some background in terms of, I guess, reading those types of situations in my own life, having other people examine my life. And if you like, quote unquote, read those situations and say, I'm not too sure I agree with that. And I think that gives me uh, some ability to engage, um, yeah, to have some insight into some of these situations with others. And I think that's where I'm coming from, right? So if this is somebody else's experience, are they the best reader of it? Maybe, maybe not. Right, I think that depends on who they are, depends on what type of experience it is. It depends a lot, too, on what they're making of it. You know, It's like something really major may happen in your life. And and you may just sit there saying, I'm not too sure what to make of this yet. And you may kind of mull this over for a while. Well, that, that might be a good choice. Then again, something minor might happen, and you might make a lot of it. Now, I would think that could be a pretty dangerous choice. Because it might, might lead you to
0: draw conclusions in other areas that are unjustified. I like the nuance you're drawing here because what Which I hear one? well no I like the nuance of like how big of a conclusion are you drawing from this particular experience? Sure. Versus yeah. versus Yeah, I think maybe what I heard you say before to the you know the three week example was oh, that's not enough. As as if there's kind of like nothing to be drawn from it. But I think what I hear you I, the nuance I hear you kind of adding here is yeah, like how, okay, there's an eagle in the sky, and maybe you're concluding that maybe that was God, but like what, are you going to base the next 30 years of your life on that eagle? Or are you just thinking, well, maybe that was God's way of saying something to me today, but I don't know, and that's the end of it. Like there there are many different degrees, I guess, here.
1: Yeah, and and the, the in terms of basing the next 30 years of your life on it, that is exactly what I saw at Swiss Le Brie. we've talked about this before when this uh, older uh, woman in her 60s came and, and she began to talk to us about how we should see ourselves and see um, you know, the bad choices that we make. They, they, they don't have anything to do with us. We're not really making them. This was her point. And we, we, I talked with this woman for four hours. We've talked about this before. And she, she eventually got down to uh, uh, an experience that she had with her son in her early 40s that changed her view. Uh, her relationship with God entirely, her view about the bad things that we do. And um, she eventually explained the experience with her son, um, who'd been doing a lot of bad things and um, gave us what she said to her son. She told us what she said to her son and realized from that, that this was God telling her that this is how people are to act and, and this is what's going on when we do things that are negative or wrong. And during the course of the conversation, um, my focus was, you know, to listen and understand. And eventually as we, as we got on, as we kept going, this woman was trying very hard to convince me and, and another person there that she was right. And this is the way that we should be seeing God and we should be seeing or understanding ourselves when we do something that's wrong. And uh, gradually I, I and this other person began to bring up some, some, some verses, you know, some kind of context and uh, passages from the Bible to kind of, the, that essentially contradicted her position. Right. And so this is exactly the type of thing that, that is deeply concerning to me. This woman was very charismatic she, and, and I mean in the in the most positive sense right she she was she had a um an inviting and compelling personality she was uh, very um energetic and she was she was she was a type of person that people rally to and and eventually the conversation ended without this being an overt challenge but i think the challenge that was left on the table for myself particularly was I think you're in a tough spot. You've had an experience and I didn't have the chance to say to her, you know, by the time she brought out the experience, we were at the very end of the conversation and I didn't have the time and it just didn't seem appropriate at that point to try to go into that experience with her and say, well, you know, I'm a little doubtful of how you've interpreted that. I'm sure that everything took place the way you said it did, but I'm I'm not sure about the interpretation or the conclusions you've drawn. But, you know, The challenge that was left was: I think you're in a tough spot. You're either going to have to go with what you currently understand, and you're going to have to you can maintain what you're what you're saying, or you can go with what the 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 biblical text seems to be demonstrating, because there seems to be a stark contradiction. What's written in this text seems to contradict the position you're taking, and as a Christian that puts us on a very, very uneven footing, right? And so, yeah, if we come back to the three-week example, I don't know. Like, I don't know what type of conclusion was drawn. I, I didn't have that conversation, but I did have the conversation with this woman. And I would say that the things that she drew and she understood from this, um, yeah, I can imagine in a church setting that she would be incredibly influential, and yet, I think that she's she, she would be influencing people, or Christians particularly, to be taking up positions that the biblical texts essentially contradict. So what are you going to do? You know, you're just going to go along with that because she had that
0: experience, and that experience just kind of trumps the Bible? Now that's, <laughs> no, and that's a tricky thing. I've been thinking kind of, okay, so as we wrap this one up, what's up? What's a practical application of the, yes, you're hiking with this person, like, look, there's an eagle in the sky, and, you know, an hour later, they're sharing over a meal that, you know, God brought this to them. And and the, the question I was having to myself is, okay, so based on the conversation we've had or the multiple conversations we've had, the possible options are you can give the courtesy nod, which indicates that wow, I guess that happened for you. That's really nice. <laughs> Even though you don't agree, which I don't think is honest. Um, you can challenge them and say, come on, that can't be God. You can ask them, I guess, to play out a few more details. Uh, but in terms of when and where and how to approach, it seems like it all depends. Like it depends on I every, mean, it's really contextual. How well do you know the person? um, can you ask the question in a way that isn't, you know, an attack or doesn't make them feel ashamed? Um, I don't know. Any concluding thoughts there?
1: I think that's great, John.
0: Um, I totally agree with you. I mean, I
1: think the nice thing about Libri is, is, it, is, it, is it is an environment where you can expect, you're allowed to question and you can expect to be questioned. So in that type of setting, that works really well.
0: Yeah, but what and, about the setting most other people are in? I'm I'm thinking more of the traditional church
1: yeah well that's a tough one like i would hope to build enough trust with somebody <clears throat> but i think the other thing too though is if i was in a church situation let me come back to the woman you know the woman in her 60s who seems very influential and charismatic and, and energetic and if i was in a church situation and i was i don't know her her influence in the direction of the thinking that she brought out during the discussion with me was being felt, if I was there and feeling that, I would just want to start raising questions for her right away. You know, and I don't think I, I would just try to make those questions to inform myself because I would be probably sensing something that seemed um, like a disjunction, like uh, something dissonant, something's not working or functioning together the way it should. I wouldn't have any clue what it was and then just begin a conversation is what I would do. You know, b- but I'd want to start that Right off, I wouldn't. <clears throat> versus, you know, if somebody's saying, makes a comment to me as I'm at a potluck about, it's a beautiful day and God gave us this beautiful day. Well, I'm just going to assume they mean the passive sense of, you know, God's the creator and you can
0: chalk everything created up to God. No, right it's enough. so I- This is, oh my gosh, I thought we had we were done with this stuff. No, <laughs> well, uh, what that, that bugs you? No, it doesn't bug me, but I can. Oh, I like more times than count. You know, well, we really prayed that it wouldn't rain today, you know, say there's an, this is classic, like, oh, we're having this outreach event at church or whatever, and we really prayed that it wouldn't rain today, and it was supposed to rain, but <laughs> look, the sun is out, and oh, you know, God has really blessed us with a beautiful day today. In other words, the conclusion being, you know, we fervently prayed all week that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. Isn't God awesome? <sighs> but couldn't you just? I I know, this know. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know. People okay. out there, if you, if, if, if I'm just like a complete edge case here, then let me know. <laughs> no, I've heard of that <laughs> before. Okay. <I've>, okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a whole nother episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or request to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.